We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. I want to start this morning with a scripture. Um, this is from Matthew 22, where Jesus was asked, well, what's the most important commandment? Or another way to say this is, what's the most important thing in life? Let's ponder on what he says here. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, or another way to put it, the entirety of what God wants you to do with your life. And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful simplicity, isn't it? That, you know, we've got 66 books in the Bible. We've got this whole amazing book that reveals a lot, actually, what this means about how to love God and how to love each other. But just to frame everything else that we do as Christians and what we will look at today, here are the two most important things. It's really simple. How are you loving God? How are you committed to Him, growing in a relationship with Him? And how are you connecting with those around you? Because as God looks at your life, that's what He's looking for is, how are you going on those two things? And so I want you to actually take a moment today and ponder on that as we, as we start this sort of pondering together, is what would loving God this week look like for you? In just a little bit deeper dimension than last week, what would it, what would it look like for you to go deeper with God this week? an interesting question to ask, isn't it? Just ponder on that. And then allow that to translate to the relationships around you. Will you take what God reveals about how much he loves you, or as we've just been singing about, how good he is to you, and the grace and the, and the mercy and everything that you've received from God, and then go, man, that is so amazing. As we're just praying into, as we as we thank God for that, as we appreciate all that God has done for that, for us, we extend it to the world around us and go, okay, what does that look like? What does it look like for me to love my neighbor just like God loves me? And, and setting aside my desires and all my thoughts and selfishness and going, actually, what's best for those around me? What does that look like for you this week? It's, uh, it's such a simple scripture, but it's so powerful. Let me read it again. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. In other words, don't do life one without the other. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to actually just take a moment and pray into that today. Lord God, we come to you today and we acknowledge that we don't spend 
all of our effort or our energy loving you or loving those around us. It's so easy for us to get distracted on other things. And Lord, we want to just take this moment of time as we're in worship before you, as a community of your people gathered here, as children of yours, to acknowledge who you are today to us. Lord, and help us go deeper in our relationship with you. Help us know our God who created us. Lord, help us know the the holiness of who you are, the glory of who you are, the justice of who you are, the truth of who you are, the grace that is extended to us. And Lord, as we internalize all of those things and then interact with the world around us, may we take your life May we take all that we've received from you into those relationships around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Yeah, so we are in the, um, well, we're coming to the tail end of a series called Relate, where we look at exactly that. How do we extend the, the, everything that God has given us into the relationships around our lives? And so far we've looked at how we treat everyone with grace, right? It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, we extend grace to people around us. Why? Because God extended grace to us. We also see that um, truth is an important dimension of our relationship with God and it's an important dimension of how we relate to each other, that we ought to clarify expectations that we have with those around us. We have to have those honest conversations. Don't let things go unsaid. Let's be clear um, about how we're relating to those around us and what we're expecting in those relationships around us. And what we see from Jesus is not only did he model this for us, so he's an incredible example of relating well to those around us, he also gave some very specific instructions to those around him. Now, just, just imagine for a moment being Jesus. Now, I know that's a bit hard, but you know, like, you know enough about his life that um, how he lived and how he was around people all the time. And imagine that he knows how to relate to other people well. He's got no issues. He's got no baggage in his life that mucks up relationships, right? And so he's relating to his disciples and relating to people around him. And just think about this. Just think about the messiness that he would have seen. Does have you ever appreciated that? That he's a guy that um, is very secure in himself and he, he, he doesn't have issues, he doesn't have needs in his life that he's looking that other people will meet. He's, um, he, he's just who he is. But then he's watching his disciples fight with each other and he's, and he's watching other dynamics in his family and things like that. And you must think, he must have just sat there and gone, oh, you know, like just, you know, kind of like, you know, as a parent when you watch your children fighting over something really pathetic or something like that. I think, I think God must be like that a little bit with us. Just he looks down, he just sort of shakes his head sometimes and goes, oh, please, like, come on. Like, have, like, we've been over this before. Can you just get over yourselves and, and sort this out? And so Jesus has some very direct things to say about how we're to relate to each other. 
And I, I, I'll give you a warning. We're going to look at three of these over the next two weeks. And two of them today and, and one next week. And as I, was, as I was pondering all of these um, throughout the week and reading them, I was going, man, these are hard things. Like, these, these are not easy. But I think they come from Jesus observing the relationships around him and going, guys, you've just got to get this right. I know you do a whole lot of things badly, but you can at least do this, can't you? Like, like, he, like let's just lay it out. This is how life is supposed to work. Let's look at one of them. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, says this. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, or criticize, or analyze, or whatever way you want to look at it, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank, or your, your um, translation may, may have log. Like, you imagine this. Like, you could, for those who are visual learners now, you're actually thinking of a person with a great big plank sticking out their eye, you know? And the, the idea that Jesus has here is yes, I want this to be shocking to you. I want you to grasp what I'm saying here. Verse 4 How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye? when at the same time you've got a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Well, first of all, he's saying, don't judge people. Why? Because what you don't realize is that when God looks at your heart, he sees the same thing going on that you're criticizing the other person for. So, yeah, you feel better because you think, oh, this is so bad. And God's looking at you going, mate, you, you, <laughs> you've got some work to do in this area too. So why are you being so critical to start off with? And what, what Jesus is saying here is deal with your issues. Deal with the big log, that, the, the plank that's sticking out of your eye before you go trying to help other people. And for many years, I didn't sort of fully appreciate the scripture and in more recent years I've appreciated it a bit more because what I thought it used to say was this be nice to other people that's kind of that's kind of my rough translation of that scripture and I don't know about you but I was I was kind of going well I'm not that judge I don't think I'm that judgmental of other people I'm not I don't think I'm that racist or sexist or anything like that so I kind of thought that that's what Jesus was saying here. I thought he was saying, look, don't be judgy. Don't be, you know, like that. And I was going, yeah, well, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm kind of a nice guy. I'm, I'm cool with that. That's not what he's saying here. Well, he is saying that, but I mean, he's saying a lot more than that. He's saying, take a hard look at yourself first before you go relating or especially go helping other people. What Jesus observed in the relationships around his life is that, People come with baggage. You've got issues. Welcome to, you know, if that's a revelation for you, just sorry about that. But, you know, I've got issues, you've got issues. We've all got baggage in our life. What do I mean by that? We've all got things in our lives where we go, we feel a little bit insecure, right? And we want people to like us. And we do certain things to get people to like us and not think bad of us and all that sort of stuff. And, and then we react badly in situations and we judge and criticize. 
because of what's going on in us. That's the point that Jesus is making here. Is that you've got a log sticking out of your eye. You've got baggage that you're carrying around in your life. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, years ago, and this was many years ago because um, Joel wasn't even born, so um, uh, it must have been when we had the two girls uh, really little. And Janine and I were at a wedding. And um, one of the downsides of being a, a pastor is you kind of, you know, you, you kind of expect your family to maintain a certain decorum or standard of behaviour. And, um, and, and uh, of course, I don't, I don't like my kids to misbehave in public, like any parent, but even more so when you're a pastor, I think, you kind of go, oh, I look bad. Um, but that's actually, that's actually my issue, right? It's actually not my kids' issues. So, so Kaylee and Janelle must have been like four and two or something like that at the time. Um, so they're, they're pretty young, or maybe even three and 18 months, something like that. But um, we're at this wedding, and they, they were just off on a side room, and I could hear them. So here am I chatting away to people, and I could hear them starting to fight, and then it just started to escalate, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I march into this room, yell at them, grab them, like, okay, outside, <laughs> here we go. And everyone's like watching it, I'm just like going, okay, that didn't go well. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, like, I look back now and with a bit of shame on that because, hey, my kids are, like, they were, I don't know, very young at the time. That's what toddlers do, like, come on. Whereas, but what was that all about? It was about me not wanting to be embarrassed. As it turned out, I embarrassed myself. But, <laughs> so, you know, hey, well, <laughs> suck at me. But the, but the thing is that, the issue was not about their behaviour. The issue was actually about my behaviour and me reacting emotionally in the situation because of what was going on in me. Now, here's the thing. When have you reacted? When have you overreacted emotionally in a situation, in a relationship with someone else? And now you look back and go, Actually, that's actually more about what was going on in me than actually the situation around me. Because here's the thing, like, do we really need to overreact like we do? And this is what Jesus is saying here. Why do you go around being so critical and so down on everybody else? Is it because you've got, it's because you've got issues in your own life? Have a look at yourself first. Apply that discernment that you're projecting onto other people and look at yourself and go, well, what about this plank in my eye? Maybe I should sort that one out first. And when you do this, when you become more aware of what needs to be addressed in your own life and focus on that, bring that before God and go, hey, God, maybe I need to, a few things to work through here. And the more that you do that, don't, don't take it out on other people. Don't try and... Uh, Work it out into your relationships. Work it out between you and God and go, okay, like that situation I just described, what would be helpful for me is to go leave that. I'm not sure if I did this. It was a few years ago now. But, um, you know, walk away from that situation and pray through that and go, God, what did I, why did I do what I did there? Does that, does that kind of make sense? That's what Jesus is talking about. But it's not easy, is it? It takes a bit of humility to to have a hard look at yourself and be more aware of what's really going on in your life. But I tell you, once we do this, once that, that, that log starts shrinking down, 
once there's maybe just a speck in our eye rather than a, um, than a log in our eye, we're more prepared to relate well to others because it's our, our issues are not going to get in the way. We're not going to knock each other over by, with a 4 by 2 that's sticking out of our head. You know, that, that's, that's what God is wanting us to do here. So, for example, here, here's another one that I'll throw at you. Let's say on Monday your boss came to you and said, hey, uh, tomorrow afternoon we're going to do a performance review. Four o'clock Tuesday afternoon, got to have a performance review. Would you freak out at that point? Now, um, it may depend on how well you're doing your job. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes in those sort of situations, we, we react emotionally and go, okay, what does this mean? And, and if I'm not doing my job well enough, is... What, what does that mean for me? Am I, am I a failure? Am I not good enough? And do you see how it all starts to tap into those deep issues that are actually going on in us? And then we walk into that situation either really aggressively, so we take control of the situation, or maybe we walk in very passively and very tentative because we're not sure um, what, what's going to be said. But notice that it's, it's all this baggage that we're bringing into the situation. And that, that example can be repeated many times over with connecting with friends or family or falling out with people. And here's the thing that Jesus is saying is take a hard look at yourself first before you interact with others. It's an important dimension in life. And then he goes on to say this. Let's have a look at another one. Matthew chapter 18 Verse 15 says this. I'm going to read this from two different versions because it's interesting just to get a fuller dimension of it. Uh, Matthew chapter 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they do not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the witness, by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Interesting passage of scripture, isn't it? Again, coming out of this observation that Jesus is making of how things are, how people are relating to those around them. I want to read it now from the message translation, a little bit different take on it. But just, yeah, hold, hold both of these in your mind as... We're reading them together. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest. And try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you will have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. Hmm. Slightly different take on that, isn't it? So let's, let's work our way through what Jesus is saying here. First of all, it says, if your brother sins against you or hurts you, well, which one is it? Well, it's most likely in the context that most um, commentators would say that given that he's going to talk about forgiving your brother and things like that, which is coming after this, which we'll talk about next week, it's most likely to mean that they've offended you. Like it's a, it's a sin against you. It's not, it's not that they're sinning over there and you need to go and talk to them about it. It's they've said something against you that's hurt you. So it's a fair translation when the message says, have they hurt you? Now, 
once they've done, when that happens, go and talk to the person. What Jesus is saying here is this, that hurt does happen in relationships. We have to acknowledge that, that we all have our issues, and as those issues kind of interact with each other, they can't, there's a bit of a clash. C.S. Lewis has this great analogy of uh, community and how it works. He, he likens it to a fleet of ships. He goes, imagine there's like 200 ships going across an ocean, and you know, like a, like a navy ships or something like that. They're going to be in formation. And a couple of things have to be right for that formation to stay in formation. Number one, they need to know, okay, what's the overall direction and purpose? Where are we going? So they're actually all heading in the same direction. And that kind of speaks of our purpose in life and where we're going as a church family or as a community as a whole. Are we heading in the right direction? And then they have to keep an appropriate distance or relationship to each other. They have to, you know, be aware of how long it's going to take to make this turn or whatever and the size of the vessel and all that sort of thing. And then the third dimension to it is they have to all be in good working order. In other words, all the engines have to be working and the propellers need to be working and all that sort of thing. And Because the implication is, if they're not, like you imagine a ship in the middle of a, a fleet and it, and it breaks down or, you know, one prop breaks down and the other one doesn't and it tends to go sideways, it's going to cause mayhem. And that's why in our relationships with each other, mayhem is caused because we're all hurt people hurting other people. That's kind of how it works, unfortunately. And we, we do this even innocently. I, I remember someone came up to me, uh, it was actually just a few months ago, and uh, I can't remember who it was, but... Um, they, it was in church, and they go, oh, I forgive you, Warren. And I was like, oh, okay, um, that's cool. Um, what did I do wrong again? <laughs> and they said, oh, you just walked straight past me in church, and you didn't even acknowledge me. And I was like, okay, I'm really sorry for that. There is a kind of a million things going around in my head sometimes on a Sunday morning, and, and there's, there might have been just something with the sound or something that I was thinking about, and I'm really sorry I didn't acknowledge you by name and take the time to, to say hello. Uh, okay, yep, yeah, okay, we're cool now. Okay, so sometimes you, you offend people even when you don't realise that you're offending people. That, that, that. So Jesus is acknowledging that, hey, this happens. But when this happens... The good thing is that person came and chatted to me, which is exactly what Jesus says to do. Go and talk to the person that's offended you. What Jesus is saying here is that it's up to you to do this, okay? It's not up to you to sort of sit there and wait, oh man, that person just realised, they just need to realise that they need to come and talk to me. And I'm, I'm just going to stay here and wait, but I'm not doing anything. No, Jesus is saying, if you're the one offended, go sort it out. Go talk to the person. And you might be thinking, well, that's, that's just obvious. Well, it's not that obvious. Jesus was observing in the relationships around him that people did a whole lot of other things. And you just think of some other options that you have rather than talking to the other person. Can you think of a few? Yeah, yeah. Here's some of them. One is you could just bottle it up, right? You just go, oh, mm, yes, they did that. They always do that but you just sit on it. You just just bear it all down. Someone else does something, you just add it all in. 
It just, just, it all just goes in the melting pot, you know, and you all just bottle it up. The problem is that there will be a volcano one day, but that's 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 in the future. We won't worry about that. We'll just bottle it up in the winter. That's one option. Another option is you could gossip about it. You know, you could just go, oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, you could go, oh man, do you know what this person has done to me? Oh yeah, really? Have they done that? Oh, yeah. and so you go talk to someone else about it, but you actually don't talk to the other person. You just, and it makes you feel a whole lot better, right? Yeah, kind of, you know. So, and and Jesus goes, well, don't do that. That's that's kind of not the option that you should be. Don't talk to other people about an offence that you're having with someone else. Hello, practical stuff, isn't it? And then, or the other thing that we can do, here's the third option that we do. We go, okay, I'm not going to bottle it up. Yes, I'll gossip to someone else. But actually, here's, a, here's, a, here's an idea. I don't really feel like having this conversation with someone. I'll get someone else to do it. Can, can you go have that conversation with this person? And, and that's, that's especially the case for people in authority, right? Like, it's, it's just a, a little bit too hard to go talk to that teacher or that principal or... Maybe you find me intimidating. I don't know. But, um, you know, so you just go, oh, I'll just get someone else to do it. And, and you might think, oh, I would never do that. Well, when you're starting to help other people with their relationships, it's a very easy trap, trust me, to fall into. There have been a couple of times in my early ministry career where I was um, in, involved in a marriage counselling situation. Marriage counselling is pretty difficult, just, just to be clear on this. It's, it's, not, it's not easy situations to deal with, because there's a lot going on in, in marriage conflict. And, um, and I would often meet with the couple, and then it couldn't work things out, so I'd go, okay, well, I'll meet with the guy, and then I'd meet with the girl, and we'd go, okay, well, what, what are you working through? And then we'd go, okay, well, now can we come together and we'd start working it out? And I remember in one of those situations, the guy said to me, look, if you could just get her to do this, Yeah, to be fair, I wasn't 50 at the time. I was like 30, you know, so wisdom comes with some years. And I was foolish enough. I was, you know, you can see this coming. <laughs> Mate, it didn't go well, trust me. <laughs> it did not go well. So, so I went, okay, okay, this is, this is going to sort the relationship out. I've got it. Like, I'm, I'm going to nail this, you know. So I talked to the guy, and I literally drove from one house over to the other house because I was separated at the time. So I went over to this other house, I sit down with the guy and says, okay, here's the thing. I think if you just did this, mate, boom! <laughs> He's got a full noise. And of course, it was the most foolish thing to do. So don't do that. Jesus is, a, Jesus is making an observation here, and let me pass it on from some experience from my own life. Don't step in and do something for people that they should be doing for themselves. Sounds so simple, but we do it all the time. Why is it so important that we have to let people work these things out in their relationships for themselves? Well, number one, God wants to, us to grow in our ability to love each other. He wants us to reconcile relationships between each other. And that actually doesn't happen if there's a third party involved in messing things up, okay? Now, you might say, oh, yeah, but 
do we need to support the person? Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. What I'm talking about here is when you take over, when you rescue, when you do for something for them that they actually should be doing for themselves, like what I just described. Don't do that. Because the people that are irreconciled in this relationship are not growing, okay? They're not growing in how they should work this out. So don't do that. The other reason that, that we that we shouldn't do it, is it doesn't actually fix the relationship. As I discovered at the time, it doesn't actually bring the two people together. So what if you're helping other people in a situation where someone's offended, be careful how you help them. That's what Jesus is saying here. Is yes, bring another person along or another couple of people along. Absolutely do that. That, that's fine. But do that in a supportive way or in an empowering way, not in a rescuing way, not in a way that where you take over. And you think, oh, man, is, is, did this happen around Jesus' life? Yes, it did. If you, I, I won't bring up the scripture, but have a read through John 21. John 21 is the situation, remember, that on the beach, this is after the resurrection has happened, Peter has denied Jesus and he's kind of working out, okay, do I, do I come back and do I um, connect with Jesus and do I lead, be a leader in the church? And, and Jesus restores Peter. He's, and the image here is that they're literally walking along the beach together, having this conversation, and he's saying, you know, feed my sheep. Okay, you, you know that example? So, so Peter's now restored. Now, as soon as Peter is restored, as soon as things are made right, between Peter and Jesus, what's his first thing that comes to mind? Oh, what about that guy over there? Isn't that crazy? Isn't it amazing what comes out in their heart? And he, go, he turns, he looks at John, who's following along behind him, and he goes, what about John? You know, like, you know, am I better than John now, or is he better than me? Like, where, where are we all at? And Jesus is just shaking his head going, Unbelievable. You know, and his, Jesus' reply at this point is, okay, do what I've called you, this is my slight translation, do what I've called you to do, don't worry about him. That's basically what Jesus says. Don't focus on that. See, we get so caught up in the messiness of these relationships and what Jesus is outlining to us here is a very simple principle. Basically, if you've been the one offended, don't go talking to other people about it, Go back to the source and work it out between you. And if you've worked it out, great. You've won over a friend, you've restored the relationship, you've reconciled. Awesome. If that doesn't happen, here's another recourse you can have. Talk to someone who's wiser, not someone that you can bring in as a bully, okay? Not someone that's going to come in and beat the guy's face in or anything like that. No, 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 no. Not, not, not an idiot, but someone who's wise and, and trusted and will step into the situation, not rescue you, but just give a perspective of the situation. Well, have you considered? Well, have you considered? Oh, well, and help support the relationship back together. Not to side with you and make it all, you know, work in your favour, but to try and bring the relationship back together. Do that. If that doesn't work, maybe bring otherwise. And the, the, the use of the church here is not that you stand up in front and announce it to church. That's, that's not what is implied here. What's implied here is that there would be leaders in the church who would bring some wisdom to the situation and help the relationship be restored. 
And then if that doesn't work, now we have this really interesting line here at the end, which is a bit tough to translate, isn't it? Where Jesus says, hey, there are some times where relationships can't be restored. Where the person's, maybe you're willing to find middle ground and restore the relationship, but the person goes, no, go away. I, I think you're an idiot. Go away. I don't want anything to do with you. Well, in that situation, you can't force someone to like you, right? So there could be relationships where it just isn't possible for the relationship to be restored. Not what God wants, but it's just, it happens sometimes. What do you do in those situations? Now, Jesus says, treat him as a Gentile or a, or a tax collector or a pagan and a tax collector. Now, there, I've, I've read a number of commentaries on this over the week because there are various translations on what did Jesus mean by that? Because one dimension you could look at and go, okay, well, Jesus meant, oh, well, you kind of treat them as an outsider because Jews kind of saw Gentiles and tax collectors as outsiders, so you treat them badly. And you go, well, that's a bit weird, though, because that's kind of not in keeping with what Jesus would say, right? And he's actually just about to talk about forgiving and forgiving 77 times over. So what, is it, what does he mean by this? Other translations, as the message would uh, indicate here, is that Jesus treated Gentiles and tax collectors really well. Think about how Jesus treated them. He didn't treat them with disdain. He didn't keep them at a distance. He actually treated them with grace. And went, okay, you know, okay, you're, you're still working your way towards the kingdom of God, but in the meantime, I'll treat you with grace. I think that the kind of middle ground translation that we could adopt here would be, first of all, Grace has to be involved. Like we looked at that a number of weeks ago. Grace underpins every relationship. Jesus treated everyone with grace. And so even if you can't reconcile a relationship in your life, even when you've gone through the steps, you haven't gossiped, you haven't, um, you've, you've treated the person well and you've tried to restore the relationship and that hasn't worked and you've brought other people with you and that still hasn't worked, would still be civil to them, still be gracious to them. You know, if they, if they walk down the street, still say, hey, how you doing? You know, you don't have to go, oh, hang on, I'll pass on the other side of the road. You know, like, like, like still be civil to them, still be gracious. But it's understandable that you will be cautious. Uh, Jesus would acknowledge that, that when trust has been broken, you don't put your trust in people that aren't trustworthy. Even Jesus said himself, he says, I don't put my heart, I don't put my trust in, in the Pharisees and things like that. Why? Because he knew that they weren't trustworthy. So the approach, when it comes to this, and a, a, a relationship can't be reconciled, be gracious but cautious. Does that kind of make sense? But hopefully in your relationships, it doesn't come to this. So what, what is Jesus saying in these two passages that we've looked at today? Well, the first thing he said is basically take a humble review of your own issues. Be very aware that your emotional reactions in situations that you face on a day-to-day -day basis often come from what you're going through, not what's actually happening in the relationship. 
to be more aware of yourself and allow God to convict you of those hurts or those needs in your life or those things that have happened in the past that you're bringing into the relationships that you've got in the present. Secondly, he's saying, if, when, no, not if, because it's, it's going to happen, okay, when other people offend you, when there is a breakdown of relationships, sort that out appropriately. Do this well. Go and talk to the person yourself. If you're a person that's helping someone else reconcile the relationship, empower that person. Don't talk about how what they can do to, to restore the relationship. Don't do it for them. Don't rescue them. But be the support person that is just helping them process what is going on. And certainly don't use that information to spread it around everywhere else because that's not appropriate either. Jesus is seeing that if we do this well, if we relate to each other well, it will not only create healthy community around us, it honours God. It honours God when we love our neighbour well. It's part of loving him, is loving others well. So let us, let us be a church that relates well to each other. If we, if we do offend each other, let's be able to put it right together. If we're helping each other out in relationships, let's do that well. And let me cycle right back around to where we started with that scripture where Jesus says, what life is all about is loving God and loving others. How are we going with those two things? And they are both interconnected. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.